Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning back into the Crescent Podcast. This week's episode is with holistic fertility coach Sarah Clark. And I have to say, I am not dealing with wanting to get pregnant. I have no plans to get pregnant anytime soon, but I was completely eating up this information. I mean, I want to go to her fertility clinic just because they are so thorough with looking at any underlying issues you might be having. And so in this episode, we get a little bit of a look into Sarah Clark's personal experience with infertility and then how that really led her to want to start her own fertility coaching program, but from a functional standpoint and really looking at what are the root issues here and how can we begin to heal those so that for the majority of women couples, they can have a natural pregnancy. And this includes, you know, looking at what any of the underlying stressors might be, including food sensitivities, gut parasites, fungal infections, emotional healing that may need to happen. And then how she really puts together an incredible team of practitioners and different modalities to really begin to bring the individual's body or in some cases the husband and wife both of them both of their bodies back into a place of homeostasis where as she says later in the episode when your body's under attack it doesn't want to procreate so once it feels safe then it wants to procreate once it's healthy it wants to procreate and so she is really working with couples to get them back to that place of homeostasis from a natural standpoint as much as possible. So I know you guys are going to absolutely love this episode. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on it. If you love it, please share it with someone who needs to hear this information. And as always, I link any resources, books, individual supplements mentioned in the show notes. And for those of you who noticed that there was not an episode last week, that is correct. Truthfully, I have just been struggling with so much energy deficiency with all of the new treatments and detoxing that I've been doing with this cancer protocol, and my energy levels are incredibly fragile right now, and so it's been really difficult for me to stay on top of everything that it takes to launch even just a single podcast episode because I'm doing every piece of this from A to Z myself and I absolutely love it but I'm really working on optimizing my lifestyle my schedule right now so that I can make sure my energy levels are consistently where they need to be in order to get you guys out this incredible information every week so to those who did notice I apologize thank you for sticking around and tuning in again this week and I really again I hope you enjoy this episode Well, 
Welcome, Sarah Clark, to the Crescent Podcast. I always love to let the guest give their bio. So kind of walk us through how you got to where you are today, where you're from, your educational background, all of that. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so I'm from just outside of uh, Toronto, Canada, and I'm a life and health coach and really a fertility coach. So um, help couples make diet and lifestyle changes and uh, using the, the tools of functional medicine and uh, functional lab testing to um, improve the chances of conception. Great. And was that something I don't I can't imagine that was something that as a young kid you were thinking, hmm, I think I'm going to be a fertility coach. No, it was never <laughs> on my radar. I was in HR for years. And um, so I'll kind of share how I, I came I came to. To, to be a fertility coach. So I had my own experience with infertility. So basically um, in my early 20s, I remember having, I had um, hot flashes. I remember joking when I was interviewing someone in, in, for, in, as an HR that I was having menopausal hot flashes. And it turns out that I was. So at that point I had irregular periods, those, those, those hot flashes. I started getting uh, acne um, when in my teens I had great skin and all of a sudden my early 20s I started getting acne. Then I had a weird fungal rash on my chest. I didn't think any of these things were connected to my fertility at the time. But um, And then I um, had this plan of getting married at 25 and having my kids at 28. So I went on the pill. It was the first line of defense if the, you know, the periods are regular, go on the pill. Mm-hmm. So I went on the pill um, and then came off just before 28 and wanted to get my, 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 my cycle was still irregular. So went there and then I was told I had premature ovarian failure, which is a loss of function of the ovaries before the age of 40. And I told the only way I'd ever have children is by using donor eggs. I remember her grabbing the IVF brochure and um, saying, here you go to the fertility clinic. And I didn't take any time to figure out any of those symptoms that I had going on. And I went straight to the fertility clinic and we got on a list for a donor egg yeah, so then had our daughter, and our daughter is 18. So this is back in the day when you said donor eggs, people were like, I don't even know what you're saying. And now <laughs> with all like IVF and IVF procedures, we've got embryo donation, embryo adoption, little little embryos are left there. I had someone on my, on, on my podcast who actually they did, um, there was, they had the, 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 they just did an embryo adoption and their little daughter is, they have two of them now, one and um, three and the the um, biological siblings to that child are 13 so it's basically the embryo sat there for 13 years and she adopted it and had oh, the baby you know, like wild. insane i know wow. crazy what science, what science can do so yeah that's really cool and then um so yeah so we had our daughter and then after we did that um went back in i had two two embryos left over and um, was super stressed one had the kids close together and so went back in and that and that didn't that didn't work. So then we went on a list for another donor egg and we're lucky enough in the first press transfer to have our son. And so he's 15. So many, many years ago. And then really after I had my daughter, my health took a nosedive and where I had um, nine colds, every cold went into a science infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold or every science infection. I started getting chronic bladder infections, chronic yeast infections. I had vertigo, toenail infections. I had um, seasonal allergies that started. So all these different health issues going on. I was still functioning, still doing my thing, but my immune system was, you know, really compromised. Wow, and yeah. yeah. And then um, I took a life coaching course to, to was going to bring it into the corporate environment to bring coaching in there. That's where I had my own 
personal wake up call with that I really liked health and wellness, took a health coaching course. And then that's where I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, it was gluten, dairy, later corn, took those out, lo, you know, lo and behold, the sinus, the bladder started to, to go away. A couple of years after that, dug into stool testing, did some some gut testing, discovered I had H. pylori and the streptococcus and fungal infections. And then really also look at the uh, looked at the lifestyle side of things with sleep and you know doing doing too much and really so I didn't discover any of this till I was 40 I was fully in menopause I was no longer cycling naturally so if people are still cycling naturally there's things we can do using the tools using a a functional approach yeah now did you jump right into the functional approach to fertility and fertility or did were you initially like I want to be a health coach. I'm going to dive into this. What what brought you specifically to that functional approach? Yeah, like it was really it was my own journey where I was like, really, people don't know this. They don't know that diet can actually, you know, I was off down the conventional path, taking taking you know antibiotics, taking peeing blood with bladder infections, and just taking antibiotics after antibiotics, and um, nothing was working. And then I made these diet changes, and then you know looked at the the, the functional testing, and I'm like, oh. This stuff started to go away and it's not a perfect thing, but it's by no means as bad as it was before it was like managing disease. And then that's where I, um, when I took the coaching course, the health coaching course, that's when I really decided then to help others to do this. And really when I was first doing this, I was going to help people with weight loss, which is something I've never really struggled with. So I don't know why I was going to try to do that, but I'm like, Oh, Sarah, the thing that you've struggled, I, I cause for me, I've reframed it. Because for most people, going donor eggs is the last resort, and it's not. That's they have a, and I coach a lot of people that for them donor eggs. Like I help people get pregnant naturally, but sometimes donor eggs are the only option. And I coach people through that. And there's a lot of grieving. It is very, very um, difficult and being told that. Now, when I was told that, I'm just a person of action, and I really reframed it in my mind that like I knew, I thought other people had it worse than I did. So um, that's just how, how I, I looked at it. Most people I coach, that's not, that's not how they see it. Um, but yeah, so I was going to do like weight loss. And I'm like, no, your struggle is fertility. Like what, what the, you had both your kids with donor eggs. What it just, cause how I looked at it. And then, then I started helping other women and couples similar to yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Now, this is something that I'm really intrigued by because it seems to me like, I guess my question is, has fertility always been as much of an issue as it is? And what's happening now is women are just being a little more vocal about it. So it's on the radar. Or do you think that there really are the prevalence of infertility is actually rising due to X number of factors? Yeah, I believe it's on the rise. So it was, so it's, it's uh, one in six in Canada, one in eight in the States, I think one in five in the UK. So um, that experience infertility, it was, 60% 60% female factor infertility, 40% male. Now we're seeing stats more 50-50. And I do believe we're in the middle of a huge food experiment with our food being sprayed with glyphosate linked to infertility and a whole host of other diseases. So the fact that the diet and lifestyle and really even sperm counts, you know, a lot of issues with sperm counts with the with the environmental toxins. So um, it's interesting with that, that, that handmaid's tale with um, – I'm not sure if you've seen it, but really with um, talking, that's basically the whole movie is about, uh, or, the, or the whole series is about women that are no longer able to conceive. Okay, and and they have these handmaids that are still fertile. 
because of all the toxins and all the crap that's going on. And oh yeah, I watched okay. that and I'm like, oh, maybe that's not so far off. Um, this like dystopian thing. Um, it's a very dark, dark uh, series. I had to kind of stop watching it for a while because I'm like, I was just too depressing. But um, yeah, there's there's something going on here with the different. So basically, in the functional approach, it's like the different stressors. We look at um, a gut infection would be a stressor. A food sensitivity is a stressor. Environmental toxins like your personal care, your cleaning chemicals, your um, plastics, uh, your water, um, your um, and the the mental emotional side of this. I see a lot of people that come to the functional approach after going through failed IUIs, failed IVFs, and and spending tens of thousands of dollars. And then now, like, oh wait, I'm going to look at the functional approach as a last, you know, a last ditch effort, and they end up getting pregnant naturally. But um, and then also structural stress. If you've had, um, there's can be adhesions too. If you've had car accident or trauma or um, anything, any surgeries that can form adhesions in the body, which then can be structural issues with blocked tubes and and other, you know, if there's fibroids or endometriosis things like that and also if there's a ner- like there's a pinched nerve or something out of alignment in the body so those are the different stressors and really I think a lot of the times in the fertility community a lot of people focus exclusively on the mental emotional side which is extremely important but if you've got a gut infection and a food sensitivity you know you have to look at all the stressors it's not just mm-hmm. you know it's extremely important to address trauma and, and, um, stress, but there's, it's looking at the whole body. Yeah. Now, can you just give us a picture, a little bit of what maybe the conventional side of medicine, Western medicine would normally treat someone with infertility or work with someone with infertility? How does it differ? Yeah, typically. So like me, so I went to see my OBGYN, she grabbed the the brochure to the fertility clinic, and then off you go to see your reproductive endocrinologist and then they're like, this is what you do. And there's very few REs that are trained in the functional approach. So they don't even know the power of diet and lifestyle and functional testing. So that's why we say to, to assemble a team. And it's not excluding conventional medicine. So functional medicine is the future of conventional medicine. But it's basically you have your RE, your OBGYN, your fertility coach, your nutritionist, your masseuse, your chiro, your acupuncturist, not all at once because you're going to be broken overwhelmed, but, but really you're you're in the middle. So right, so right now we're just going oop, straight to the RE, but may, meanwhile, maybe there, maybe we've got some trauma that we haven't addressed. Maybe we have a food sensitivity. Maybe we have like environmental toxins that we haven't addressed. So um, it's to look at all those things, and then there's really no downside to taking a functional approach for you and your partner. So either you get pregnant naturally, or if you do or go to the clinic, you're going to increase your success rate because you've worked on all those different issues that, you know, people, especially for unexplained, like in the functional approach, it is not unexplained. Mm-hmm. That's just a, that's like a lazy, lazy approach. Let's say it's unexplained. No, there is a reason. So oh, to be able to, yeah, it's like to, to, to dig deeper and um, not just, I think in the fertility space and a lot of spaces too, it's like focusing um, like myopically on the diagnosis exactly. and not looking at the whole person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's so frustrating and almost horrifying because so many of the doctors I interview, they say that exact same thing. You, you come in, I was just talking with a holistic psychiatrist and he was oh, cool. like, 
Yeah, standard, you come in, you tell them the symptoms you have. They say, great, you have depression or you have anxiety. Here is the pill for that. No one is ever pausing to say, why do you have this? And can we heal you? And I love, love, love that you said, what is the harm in trying a functional approach? There's nothing. At the very least, you will end up healthier, happier, better quality of life. Uh, You know, people get so put off by it as if it's magic or woo-woo and I don't want to get involved in that. Or maybe it's just too much work or too expensive. I don't know. But I always try to tell people, what is the harm in trying? There's, There's absolutely none, you know? That's the whole beauty of functional medicine is it really is healing the body with little to no side effects. Yeah. And to me, to me, though, it's it's not to convince anyone. So if someone's like, eh, I'm not feeling it, it probably won't work because then you're not going to do the, you know, you won't do the work. So this like starting with testing and then you actually need to make these diet and lifestyle changes and really look at all aspects of your life. So if you've got a closed mind going, oh, this functional approach is crap, it, it probably won't work. But if you have an open mind to say, wait a minute you know, what we're saying here, it kind of makes sense. And we work with a lot of people in the healthcare field, doctors and nurses who have backgrounds in science, and they like the functional approach, because they can then they, they see that it's based in science. And these people are struggling with it with with the, with the infertility. So being able to and because they're in this high stress um, work environment, it's interesting, the amount of people in the healthcare field that and then they're struggling with infertility. So it's mm. being able to have that open mind, include your partner and be able to make those changes. Yeah. So now when a new couple or a new woman comes to you, what is sort of what are some of the standard things that you look at, some of the standard tests you do to get a full picture of what's going on? Yeah. So in the beginning, we were just coaching women. And now we're, we exclusively coach couples. Obviously, if there's a single person who's doing a donor, donor sperm, we can, you know, we can, we coach them as well. But typically, it's couples. Um, and so we bring pe- people in and basically, they, they, they do a full health history. And then we typically start people off by doing an elimination diet, we have both partners do the elimination diet, taking out those top allergens for 10 days. So dairy, gluten, soy, corn, peanuts, eggs, um, and processed sugar, taking those up for 10 days, systematically reintroducing them, seeing how food impacts their body. I really, the majority of people come to me, they're eating this organic, nutrient dense, beautiful diet, but um, they may not be absorbing the, 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 the nutrients. We see that a lot. So we do a hair tissue mineral analysis test. I'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, or they say they're eating a clean diet. People say, I'm eating a clean diet. But is that clean diet that's right for you? So the diet piece is is routinely missed, and we really, really will tweak this. So we do the elimination diet, so you can see how the food impacts your body. You've got to go 100%. So pick a time that's going to you know work for you 100%, and then systematically reintroduce it. That's that's where where you really see you know corn will flare up asthma or dairy makes you phlegmy, gluten gives you digestive issues. It's different for everyone, so you got to really see how that is. So that's you and your partner. And then we have, so for female factor infertility, then we'd have the, the, the woman do the food sensitivity test. We, we don't have any affiliation with any labs. So currently right now we're looking, we use a LEAP MRT, looks at 200 foods and food chemicals. Um, so foods in the red, you'd keep out for 90 days, foods in the yellow, 60 days. We see a lot of times like the whole thing can be lit up, which can be an indicator of oh. leaky gut or intestinal permeability. So then you're, you know, all your favorite foods then, you know, your body starts mount, uh, uh, mounting immune response. So we use the LEAP MRT. We're also now 
um, recently digging more into the vibrant wellness, vibrant wellness uh, Zoomer panels. So that looks at a lot of times people, we see this very regularly, but there's a high, the people have non-celiac gluten sensitivity, so a high sensitivity to gluten. Um, they've, they've potentially done a celiac test, which only tests for one protein in gluten. There's over 75. Um, and then, so the Zoomer panel will look there. I think they're looking for that the wheat Zoomer will look for about 26 proteins in, in gluten. So it's not perfect, but it gives a better clue if you're um, sensitive to any of the, the, the proteins in gluten. Also, the proteins in dairy. So there's a dairy Zoomer, a wheat Zoomer, a soy Zoomer and a, a lectin so some of those ones that will dig even oh, further wow. and it's okay. like super freaking cool to be able yeah. to like really like and there's no perfect food sensitivity test it is a snapshot in time um but it just really fine tunes it so that you can take out these a lot of times it's healthy foods but your body doesn't you know doesn't like those healthy foods right now and then as you heal the gut and start working on all these things you can you can eventually bring it in uh, bring them back but really to reduce the inflammation and um so really dig into that that diet piece. So those are the food sensitivity tests we use. And then we use, then we do a Dutch test that looks at your hormones using urine, really figures out which pathways the hormones are going down. Cause you can have this diagnosis of like a low AMH, like low anti-mullerian hormone being told, you know, you have low ovarian reserve that donor eggs are for you, or you have a very low, low chance. And maybe, you know, maybe your cortisol is completely flatlined because you're, super stressed you've been doing this for years or or you know maybe your melatonin is low maybe there's a gut infection so there's other things this dutch test can really give us some really great clues um looking at your hormones using urine and then um we do the stool test which is the gi map test looks at the dna of your stool so the majority of people we work with there's something going on in the gut be it Mm. a parasite a worm a bacterial infection a fungal infection um, H. pylori being, we see this quite regularly, H. pylori being transferred back and forth between couples, um, which was oh, a case wow. like, yeah, we see this quite regularly. Um, and then, so that's the, so if there's a gut infection, you want to then eradicate what's going on in there. And then the last one we do is the hair tissue mineral analysis testing. And that's where you're, you're well fed, but undernourished. And a lot of times people are eating the beautiful, healthy diet, but they're not absorbing the, 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 the nutrients and um, you can make simple uh, dietary and supplement recommendations for that. And we see a lot of people that were on long-term hormonal birth control. And then that predisposes you to food sensitivities, gut infections, and then also not being able to absorb the, absorb the nutrients. So I'd say like over 80% of people that come see us were on long-term hormonal birth control. Yeah. So they, and usually they went on it, not for prevention, but because they had PMS, light periods, heavy periods, something was going on with their cycle. They had acne. Um, and then they were like, Oh, go on the pill. And then when they come off, the issues are still there. And now not everyone's going to be struggling with infertility. Everyone that comes to see me is, but, um, after after you go off the pill, but just with those, those things are still going on and it hasn't been rectified and it's worse. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Have you heard of Beyond the Pill? Yes, I had her on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, she's, she's awesome. amazing. And then um, even sweetening the pill by That's Holly right. Briggs. Yeah, yeah, I had her on the podcast too. I love that. I'm interviewing yeah. her in a couple of weeks. And oh, awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah, she's awesome. I, you know, there's I get so excited about a lot of health topics, but particularly the hormonal birth control. I was like, every everyone in the world needs to know about this male or female because 
it, it's unbelievable just how much it's impacting our health. So, um, but I did want to actually touch on really quick because I saw this as I was browsing through your website too. And I think it's a, something that's really great for a lot of people to hear is you make a point to say that, as you touched on earlier, maybe you're eating a healthy diet. You could be vegan, you could be paleo, but it might not be the right one for you. Mm-hmm. And I love that you say that. Now, how do you help people figure out what is the right one for them? Yeah, that's where we're really doing that, that, that food sensitivity testing, the elimination diet, because people could come to me and they're like, oh, I'm paleo or, or I'm, I'm, I just say gluten light. Oh yeah, I've gone gluten free, but I'm kind of having it on the weekends. If you have a gluten sensitivity, and we see this a lot with high non-celiac gluten sensitivity, where and we see this and it can be seen on using the Zoomer panel or on the GI map test, looking at the anti-gliadin, which if that's high is an indicator you're, you're, you have your body's uh, mounted immune, um, immune response to gluten. And, um, and so really like that can be missed. And if you're still bringing in gluten on a regular basis, it's causing an immune response and your body is, if your body is under attack, it doesn't, it wants to survive. It doesn't want to procreate. Mm-hmm. So that, that diet piece so if you're on, if you're vegan and really, like, so we don't subscribe to any, any of those, you know, vegan, paleo, ke- everyone's doing a ketogenic diet. Um, you know, some of it has not been really great for, for women and their hormones and periods. Um, some people, like it, some people it can help, can be helpful, but it's more like, let's take a customized approach to this to see which, which diet is right for you. And, you know, what's been missed on the diet front. Now it will you will need to make these changes. So and it, the diet piece can be hard. There's a lot of like coach people on this all the time. So there's a lot of, a lot of, and I'm dairy and gluten-free. So I walk the talk. Um, there is a lot of society. People are like, why are you eating that way? What do you eat? Everyone thinks I'm vegan. I'm like, just because I don't do dairy, gluten, or corn, I'm not vegan. I eat animal protein. I will eat grass, all organic. So grass fed, wild caught fish, all that. So it's interesting. Um, people just get very curious about it. And kind of like, oh, and then uh, is it an allergy? Mm-hmm. Now I just say it is an allergy because yeah, you know, like, it doesn't exactly. matter. Like when I eat it and I'm going out to pay for food, I don't want to feel like garbage afterwards. So yeah, I don't yeah. want to eat that food. Yeah, and exactly. you and you have to be kind of typically not high maintenance, but I'm like with the food thing, I'm just like no, I don't want to do it. And you just sort of say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, there was something you were just saying though. Oh, what I wanted to say is. I I see this all the time on social media. And I think what happens is one person will say, oh my gosh, I did this diet. It worked for me. It was amazing. And everyone listening is just like, great, I'm going to try it too. But no one's pausing to say, wait a second, I have a completely different microbiome. I have a completely different uh, biological structure going on. So this might not be the cure-all end-all for me. And I think it's great to try it, but people need to keep that in mind. Like we all are on a health journey of finding what is exactly right for us. And, you know, there's, there's never going to be one thing that cures all of your issues. Yeah. I, I think that is the key. It's like that diet has worked for someone, but it may not work for you. And cause as I say, we're, we're all, we're all different. So the elimination diet is the gold standard to figure out if you have a food sensitivity and it's not forever. It's not like you're going to be taking out all those foods for a year. It's 10 days. And then once you clear it all out, then you can start to, to, to really fine tune it. 
And then we sometimes have people, if there's an autoimmune disease going on, we will then, after the elimination diet and food sensitivity testing, then we can recommend the AIP diet, so the autoimmune protocol to go even further, taking out grains and nightshades and a whole list of other things. There's a lot of, a lot of there's been a couple studies that were published last year about the efficacy of the AIP diet for uh, Crohn's, colitis, so so for for, for IBD. Um, I had them on my, my podcast talking about the studies. And so there was 11 people in their study and 75% of them went into remission. And these people had IBD, so Crohn's colitis, for like over over like 17 to 18 years. So it's a long wow. amount of time. And just with going on the AIP diet, mm-hmm. we see people coming in, oh, I've got, oh, by the way, I have infertility. And oh, by the way, I have Crohn's. Well, it's not, oh, by the way, that is a huge yeah. red flag. And running off to IVF is like insane. Um, need to, you know, you know, heal what's going on to begin with. And then the other study that they was published about the AIP diet was for, for Hashimoto. So they had 18 people in the study. Um, one person had to leave the study because she got pregnant after eight, eight after eight weeks. Uh, yeah, pregnant naturally. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest were able to, um, um, there was, they were able to, I don't think they were able to reduce their medication, but there, there was, there was improvements on lifestyle factors across the board in just a very short period of time. I think it was like an eight week study. So um, yeah, with Hashimoto's again, we see a lot of people coming to us with undiagnosed um, hypothyroidism, um, undiagnosed Hashimoto's, like they have antibodies and anybody like it hasn't been addressed. Um, and so those are huge clues when you're trying to get pregnant and there's an issue with the thyroid and being told from the conventional standpoint that your thyroid is fine when you're just looking at the TSH and we're looking at the full panel and we don't diagnose, we are educating. So we're looking at the blood chemistry levels um, for, to see, to see, so it's for, it's for functional levels, which for healthy people. And then the, the conventional levels are pathological um, for people, people with disease. So the ones for the functional levels will flag it before it actually gets to disease. So again, it's to educate and to say, wait a minute, what's been missed here? Like what? Why is this off? Mm-hmm. Now, there's two other things I really want to touch on, but you can let me know which one you think would be better to touch on first. So first of all, what are some common underlying conditions like PCOS, endometriosis that often lead to infertility, but then also um, other modalities that you use in your practice for helping women become fertile again. So whichever one you want to go with first. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of it's like, so we look at the whole body and really people that come to me, there's the genetic predisposition. So for me, other people look at, you know, if you've got MTH of R, um, whatever like genes you may have, it, it potentially then could lead to cancer or lead to diabetes or heart disease for me and the people that I work with. There's a genetic predisposition that diet and lifestyle have now impacted fertility. So, um, so the underlying issues that we like regularly will see that have been missed are, so we see thyroid issues, we see vitamin D deficiency, like vitamin D. So the functional range 60 to 80, like we're seeing it in like the teens and the single digits, which is a hormone and people then are just supplementing and well, like, why is it low? Which potentially could be gut infections, food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. So vitamin D, B, um, your uh, vitamin B12, and so vitamin B. Sometimes, sometimes that can be high because you're actually um, you're, you're supplementing, but your body's not absorbing it. So making sure 
I had Dr. Ben Lynch on the podcast too, talking about um, MTHFR really being uh, and methylation, really and the importance of making sure you do a methylated folate for your for your prenatal, um, because if over I think sixty percent of the population has MTHFR, and then so that impairs your body's ability to um, to methylate folic acid. So making sure you're taking a methylated um, B vitamin, and we like the one from Seeking Health, which is uh, which is uh, Dr. Van Lynch's site or, or okay. Thorn Prenatal. Um, okay. And then, yeah, so um, what else do we see? So with thyroid, vitamin D, um, we definitely see a lot of, like, the, I'd say everyone has a gut infection. Wow. And some of them are more. Some of them are, like, you know, multiple parasites, H. pylori, uh, fungal infections, bacteria, like dysbiosis. Um, and then that that another one that's been regularly being missed is the high um, sensitivity high sensitivity to gluten. So being gluten free sometimes is not enough. Being then looking at cross reactors. If you're extremely sensitive, the whole house has to go gluten free. Even your partner coming in and giving you a kiss if he's had some beer or or breadcrumbs can then cause an immune reaction. So that's why like our program goes for six months and typically it should usually be about a year to really start to improve because some of these things can be overwhelming or like, like God, are you tell me? I'm like, oh. so depending on where people are in their journey, um, we like, if, if you have gone through failed IUIs and IVFs and we're going to be like, let's start an elimination diet. And you're just mentally not there. Like we have a mindfulness program to help people mm-hmm. get, get kind of, clear and and get their themselves back because there could be like a lot of trauma and things like that too so that's equally important but yeah we also see um underlying issues of people in typically i'm coaching like well-educated like highly successful couples and in a very demanding careers Mm. and like working over 50 hours a week and like in a very stressful jobs um, and typically, and so there's a, like a high percentage come with an, with an autoimmune disease. I ask kind of like, well, when did that happen? And typically it's after either a death or a move or a, like something's triggered as to why now they're dealing with an autoimmune disease. And then the, the other thing is the hormonal birth control. We yeah. see that over and over again, people being on the pill, like a high percentage being on the pill. And now you're like, oh, wait now we're dealing with infertility. So those are some of the underlying factors. And then being able to, um, yeah, use that customized approach with what, with the, um, with the testing and then making those, those changes and working on, on trauma, working on mental, emotional stress. A lot of times people on the fertility journey, they may have, you know, backed away from their um, social groups because potentially all of them could have children now. So a lot of the things that you enjoy doing, you may have pulled back because it's just too painful to be around um, that as you see, seemingly see everyone else move on with their life and you may feel stuck. So working on those triggers, there's a lot of triggers for people in when, when they're dealing with this. Mm-hmm. So I love too that you, <clears throat> You're pointing out, we're going to heal your body from the inside out and then also really focus on a lot of the environmental toxins. And I want you to touch on that a little bit more because I think this is still something that maybe the general population 
has it totally bought into that there are so many toxins in the air, in the water, in the food, unfortunately, and even micro doses of them are very harmful for us. So walk us through specifically related to fertility, how some of the chemicals, dyes, synthetic fragrances, whatever in our products, in our food, in our air, in our water can be harming us. Yeah, there's lots of studies saying how it will, how those, those are, are impacting our endocrine system. So really they think there's like 85,000 chemicals that we're exposed to. And really, and even when you think of that with, with the food too, like if there's a guy out there spraying the crops, wearing a, a mask and a Tyvek suit, like why do we want to eat that? Why do we think that's safe? So basically um, to me, you can go 100, 100% org- organic, you know, people still like, I recommend everyone going hundred percent organic. If, if you can't get your mind around that, you can go to the, the environmental working group and there's a dirty dozen. You want to make sure those at least are, um, you at least eat the dirty dozen are, are organic and there's a clean 15, but, um, yeah, like with the, with the, with the pesticides and the herbicides so the glyphosate being sprayed on our crops, and then linked to infertility and cancer and then like endless amounts of diseases. Um, that's the food piece. The plastics that we're using, you know, if you're microwaving and plastic and all those plastics leaching into your food, um, the water bottles, all the, 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 the toxins leaching into there and even water bottles like that, the water, the plastic water bottles is, is not the best really making sure you have a filtered filtered water at a minimum would be a Brita, but the Brita still doesn't take out all, all the contaminants. We, uh, we like a Berkey, but that can be a bit of a, just like $300 or so for a Berkey or there's like, you can go hardcore and do reverse osmosis and all that. So basically the, the water, you want to make sure there's filtered water because it can be Im- impacting your, there's chlorine, fluoride, asbestos, uh, birth control pill, re- you know, yeah, remnants. Yeah, like, exactly. All the pharmaceutical pills people are taking. And then we're, we're, so that's impacting your system. And it's not to go, all of this is not to lose your mind about it. It's to base, basically take each like small steps every day to improve. I, I've been doing this for years. So I, it took me, it took, I did the diet piece right away. It took me forever to swap out my personal care and my cleaning chemicals. I have no idea why I just didn't feel I needed to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, although looking back, it, that was actually really easy, but people do, especially if you're feeling very stressed and people are very motivated to have their child, they can start running around the whole house and throwing everything in the garbage. We don't recommend that. It's like, as each product expires, then replace it with a non-toxic option. So with your personal care, um, you know, we're slathering all these things on our body, all full of chemicals and, and, you know, impacting our endocrine system. So as it expires, we look at a new one. Same with our cleaning chemicals. We're in heart, we're inhaling all this stuff. Um, not a good idea. Um, and then also with, um, yeah, I think those are the main, the main one. And then your air, your air quality too, like opening windows, like being kind of sensible about that. Um, Getting, yeah, don't be burning like I know, like all those kind of candles and stuff like that. Use essential oils. I, I had I got I I know, did yeah. candles all the time. I'm like it's funny, but you know you can use a beeswax candle if you if you need the candle. Mm-hmm. Um, but essential oils are to me way better. So much lighter. It's so funny. Just, <sighs> uh, on that topic, I I mean every I have diffusers in each room of the house yeah. now and only do essential oils. But when I go somewhere that's burning a candle. 
it, it feels so heavy. It does. Yeah. The air feels so heavy. And I, it's so funny because I can't really handle it now. Um, but I mean, the, the essential oils are so easy and yeah, that's just yeah. a quick one. There's, there's, but, so, there's one you can actually rub on your abdomen for a mixture for fertility. So it's uh, geranium, lavender, rose, clary sage, and sweet fennel. And then you, you get that mixture with a carrier oil, um, like a fractionated co- coconut oil, rub that on your abdomen, usually the first half, half of the cycle. And that could, so people go down like, I'm going to do fertility tea. I'm going to do essential oils. I'm going to do all these different things. That's kind of a nice little add on. That's not where we start. Those are nice, nice to have. But if you're just doing essential oils for this, like that's not where we recommend to start, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with the, with the chemicals, I think the two big things that are happening is there's some chemicals that are just stressors on the body that our body can't process. It's a toxin and we need to filter it out. But the problem is we are putting so many toxins in our body that we can't efficiently get rid of them as fast as they're coming in. So that's number one. And then two, there's some chemicals that are actually disrupting the way our own hormones are producing. And I think particularly with fertility and women's health, that's where those come in and are really big, can be really big key factors. Like a lot of the chemicals in plastics and um, I mean, even just even um, a lot of the synthetic fragrances are disrupting hormones. So I just wanted people to really make that connection between we hear like, oh, the chemicals are toxic, but we might not really understand exactly what that means and how it's affecting our chemistry. Yeah. And you can go to the environmental working group. There's a whole list of endocrine disrupting chemicals and ones to avoid. And, and really uh, it gives you all the all the information there. So it's a good yeah. resource. Oh, I love, I love EWG. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you also have, I loved that you had, um, it looked like a Reiki master on your team, a chiropractor, a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. Explain to me how, what role they play and why they're important. Yeah. So we, so I really wanted to assemble a team here because it's not just you know, I could go out and get trained and all this stuff, but it's just like way, way too much. So it's really, um, so I work, so in, in the couples coaching program, we have the functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She's the one that's going to develop the, is going to run the test and then develop the protocol. And then really where the rubber hits the road and we see a lot of people falling down is you have these things and then people can't implement them into their life. So as a coach, I help them implement these changes and making sure you know, see, it's kind of like that self-sabotage, which could happen before you start something two weeks in halfway when you're like, I think I got it. And then so it'll kind of see, you start to see people's patterns and where they're falling off, falling off. Cause this is making these changes. Like it is a, it's a, it's a, an overhaul of your life. You will be forever changed and you will freaking feel so empowered and you will feel amazing. But there's still change that happens with that. And it can be, you know, in the beginning, it can be, um, it can be difficult, maybe messy in the middle. And then at the end, it's awesome. So um, yeah, we use, we have um, fertility yoga instructor that she's part of our, our mindfulness program. And we also developed a uh, six week uh, fertility yoga series. So it's that really slower yoga, like Hatha restorative, which may want you to run out the room and leave because it's too slow and you want to do vinyasas and flows where it's like, it's slower. That's the whole point of it. Uh, fertility yoga. And then, yeah. And then if like for coaching, if there's like, if there's deep seated trauma, we, 
So we use um, emotional freedom technique, so tapping to help release these emotional blockages, and then also um, refer out, refer out to a therapist if we're like, wait a minute, it's, there's other st- stuff going in here. We need to dig a little deeper. And uh, hypnotherapy and Reiki, all of that energy medicine can be really, really beneficial too. So that's kind of an add-on to our our program. If we see someone, it's customized, kind of like, wait a minute, I think someone would benefit from this. Something's there's a blockage. There's something in the way here that you know that could help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what is your take on supplements? I know that diet is a huge, huge part. We want that to be as clean as possible. So are you, do you recommend people to focus on diet as much as they can and only supplement if they really need to? Or do you feel like, no, it's pretty good to add in a few supplements regardless of what your diet is? So most people come to us with a a boatload of supplements. The fertility industry is like, it has got them and they are taking like buckets of them. And so sometimes they don't even know why they're taking them, what they're for and how long they've been taking. It's insane. So, so we use the testing then to develop a customized protocol and we will use a low and slow approach using supplements that are targeted for that person. So the basic ones that we recommend for everyone is that, um, is a, is the methylated folate. So looking at your prenatal is a, is a magnesium. 85% of us are deficient in magnesium. So if you got those kind of eye twitches or leg cramps, um, uterine cramps. So that's important to look at um, magnesium. Um, a digestive enzyme potentially could be uh, in there as well to help help absorb the the, the foods that you're eating. And um, an omega three. So um, that would sort of be our our basics. And then the rest are all customized. And so ours is for a targeted amount of time, typically three to five months, depending on what it is we we're finding. So if we're finding parasite we're going to be using a certain remedy for that if we're finding bacterial infection if we're whatever the the tests are telling us then we're addressing that and you could take your the stool test to your conventional doctor and they may they may recommend um, anti-parasitic or an antifungal but that's like an atomic bomb going off in the body so it's going to get rid of the good guys the good bacteria as well as the bad so ours will maintain the good bacteria and then helps to repopulate it. So looking, and also as part of the main, the main ones, we do recommend a probiotic. We like, we, uh, we like Megaspore because you can use that in conjunction. If there is a, a protocol going on, it won't, most probiotics are killed by any of the, of some, some of the, the herbal remedies. Um, oh, so, okay. so Megaspore isn't, it's a spore based probiotic. So that would be part of the, the main one, but um, yeah, it's a low and slow approach. Very, very customized and people know why they're taking it. Oh, okay. It's to address this. It's to do that. And the low and slow approach is not like, oh, wait, here's your supplements. And you just start taking them all at once. It's very, it's the low and slow. So we take each one and how do we feel? And it's like, okay, we got to do two here. We do one each day. And then, so it takes, takes a couple of weeks to bring in all the supplements. And then you're like, oh, wait, my, dig- my, my digestion's gone off or I've got headaches or I've got this. And then you can track it back to see why you, why you're feeling. Cause it should be to get to the point where you know your body so well you know exactly what has caused the issue. Either like you've had a food that you've been glutened, a supplement that's done something. So it's you really start to tune into your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Were there any like specific lifestyle changes that you generally recommend in in regards to stress, movement? What are you seeing in that realm? And how are you helping people? work on those, integrate more movement, et cetera. 
Yeah. So for the movement, we're it's basically recommending walking. Um, or, or you can do and yoga as well. So like slower forms now is not the time to train for the marathon. Like vigorous exercise is not recommended for either, especially when we're seeing people's cortisol levels. And then if, if the, you're completely burnt out and then you're going to be doing hot yoga flows that are just going to, you know, stress your adrenals, which we see, see that a lot. So, um, you still want to move. So like li- lifting weights and, and some, some nice brisk walking, um, can, you know, can, can, can be beneficial, for the, um, we see work with people on sleep for months. So sleep hygiene, we go like deep into the sleep thing. And <laughs> so people that are either, we see people that can't fall asleep. They wake up, you know, multiple times during the night. They're, they're tired, but wired. They never feel rested. So we a sponsor on my podcast actually is, is, is blue blocks. So I we look at blue, that. blue light blocking glasses. I'm like, everybody, that helps your melatonin, helps regulate your cycle, male and female fertility. Lots of studies with blue light. I just interviewed Juve yesterday about red light. Oh my so gosh. yeah, so all the best. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. So, um, so looking at blue light blocking glasses are key. When when it's sunset, we're exposed to all this blue light, which is, as I say, impacting melatonin. So that's uh, important. Um, if you're snoring, looking to see. You know, there's snore apps to see if you're snoring. Are you mouth breathing? Which then can um, you can get those mouth that mouth taping to see if you're because um, <clears throat> then you're you're not getting the proper oxygen and you're not getting the proper sleep. Um, looking at your sleep routine, what time you're going to bed at? Is it you know after ten thirty and you start getting that second wind? And you're up till two in the morning. Um, sleep is like the cornerstone of everything. We we dig into it huge and really um, taking technology out of the bedroom really like sleeping in a cool dark room like use the eye mask even even light um can affect your your sleep with that with it can affect your melatonin when you're when your eyelids are closed so um yeah that that piece is is cool so just get a, an app you can track your your sleep you can um there's sleep sleep cycle or you can use you know fit better or one of those things to track your sleep see what see see if you're actually getting into the to, to rem um, so the sleep is key and then the lifestyle stuff for like the, um, mental, emotional stress. Um, so we're coaching couples. So to be able to really dig into those, um, limiting beliefs that you may have stories you've told, maybe an RE told you that, sorry, it'll never work. You may, or you may have this diagnosis like imprinted in your brain. You might have that, you know, things are going to be a struggle, or maybe you thought that, you know, giving birth is going to be scary, like whatever you have story that you have going on about potentially this journey to be able to reframe that and first of all to recognize it um working on like if there's been trauma to like work 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 through that and giving voice to it um a lot of times even with relationships too like men and women are handling it in, in, handling infertility differently so being able to um even give voice to this when you're together and like talking about how it's impacted you and, um, and I'll work with a lot of couples, like with just with their communication style, being able to have like active listening and listening to each other, um, being present, not like in the phone, like that, th- those sort of things we all know, but it's like these small steps then start to have a spillover effect into your life. And when you start feeling empowered and in a, in a great place, then the body starts feeling it's safe to have the baby. Mm. And real quickly, can you just touch a little bit more on what is it about 
trauma from the past that can lead to or have a role in infertility? Yeah, I think it's it's just like it can be like an emotional blockage, right? Where you've you've got this these whatever could have happened if there's a death in the family, whatever trauma you may have experienced, it could have lodged like in in a cellular level, like that mm-hmm. Bruce Lipton, the um, biology of belief, where it affects our cells. So it's it can it can be in there, and we don't even know. Um, and, and even it's interesting too, like it, to be able to to cry. And if sometimes for, if you're not a crier, like to be able to have that release to get that out and to talk about things. If you're and I'm not a crier, so I'm like okay. <laughs> go do it. But sometimes you need to be able to like have someone say, you know, I end up having a lot of people crying on the call sometimes because I'm like, have them speak about things and then they just get it out, but it's a release. And then they're like, Oh, I feel better. Yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I, I tell my fiance and my friends all the time, if for whatever reason, that energy to cry comes up, I let myself let that happen, even though I don't particularly enjoy it but I know now I've done it enough that I know like okay this is something my body needs to get out I'm gonna let it do it yes. and afterwards exactly like you're gonna feel so much better yeah because like push it's not getting trapped in there yeah because you're pushing it down you're pushing it down and you're like and then it's it is stuck in there as an emotional that's why like Reiki or hypnotherapy can help like because it can feel this this pressure your shoulders are up to here and you're constricted you know, you got your stomach clenched in all this kind of stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, let's just like open up and, and release so you can move forward. So it is important to really um, give voice to that and, and address the trauma and use whatever modality feels right for you. And sometimes it could be, it could be the fertility yoga, just moving through it. People get very emotional when they're doing some of the poses, like some of those restorative poses where you got to hold that thing for five minutes and the hip openers, like where you're like, oh, the grief kind of comes out. So if there's things that are trapped in there, it can be, so we use all of it, not all at once, because that's too overwhelming. But it's like, wait, let's just see each person, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if let's say someone is planning to conceive, first of all, it sounds like I want to do this program, <laughs> just, just for my own health. <laughs> but um, even when I was reading like beyond the pill or sweetening the pill, yeah. so many women don't even really think about their health until maybe six months, maybe a year before they want to start conceiving. And it seems like often that is not enough time to prepare the body or heal the body from whatever's going on. So how soon would you really recommend women start looking into that if they, if getting pregnant is on their radar. Yeah. Like it, it's typically a minimum of six months. I had Dr. Ben Lynch on and he talked about, he was talking to a fellow and he's like, how can we spend like a year to 18 months planning our wedding? And then for when we have our baby, we're like, Whoa! first month. <laughs> let's so it, yeah. it's like, let's sw- swap that around. So in an ideal world, yeah. A year to year and a half where you're really working on your preconception health and it really impacts the health of your pregnancy, the health of your, the, your, your postpartum period, the health of your children. Like I didn't do any of this. Both my kids, like I'm dealing with a freaking nightmare right now with my son. It is really bad. Like bad, like 80, like, and I've gone down the natural functional, functional role with him. Um, and so now I'm doing a whole bunch of other stuff, but it's, 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 you know, it's, it's affected his brain. So a, you know, potentially ADD. So um, 
and then issues with my daughter as well, where I've had to like, I feel like I've been fighting like this. I've just been <laughs> fighting everywhere to help them and not look at it. And I, it's not excluding conventional side of things, but it's not like just like, okay, let's do it. Let's give a pill. Mm-hmm. And I try to be a little more open-minded about maybe at some point we might need a pill, but I still think there's other things to do before we can go down and just for mental health issues, just prescribe, just do the pill thing. Cause it's, it's not getting to the root cause and the functional side, looking at, at diet and all um, uh, lifestyle and all that. It's diff- It is brutal for teenagers. My daughter is 18 now, so she's on, on kind of on the other side, but my 15 year old not. So if not for you, for the health of your children, mm-hmm. look at this, it's imperative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, realistically, like there's never a bad time to start taking your health more seriously. Yeah. So we should all be, you know, getting on board today if we could. Absolutely. Now, is there anything that you see a lot of women or couples who are struggling with fertility do that you wish they didn't do? Like if there was something that you could say, okay, guys, don't do this. Is there anything like that? Yeah, the diet piece. I think everyone gets it wrong. I really think they're kind of like, oh, they'll do the paleo, vegan, clean diet. And like everyone, I, I, they, they say they're eating a clean diet. I just think they're, or they could be going gluten light. Like don't even bother. Like gluten light and dairy light, don't bother. Like you've got to go 100%. You've got to dig in, do the elimination diet and really they get the diet piece wrong. I, I'd say, I think say almost no one knows about the gut infection side of things that there's mm-hmm. gut infections going on. People get, you know, get that wrong. Um, and then I, I just think people get caught up in, and like me, I didn't know about, you know, I went straight down the conventional path. I didn't get a second opinion, smart, educated person. I didn't get a second opinion on my freaking ovaries. I, and you know, I went over here and I trusted the doctors. So not to say you can't, trust your doctor, but you, you have got to listen to yourself, really trust your intuition. And we all have intuitions to really try. I just did an interview on using astrology to really dig into your intuition. So that piece is so cool. I'm so excited to listen to that. (laughs) I was kind of sick when I did it. I had a bad cold. So not my, my best, but it's like, she, she is freaking awesome. And her book is like freaking crazy. I listened to her on the, uh, the uh, goop podcast, Dr. Jennifer oh, Freed. Okay, okay. Yeah, she is amazing. So, um, but yeah, like, so, so being able to listen to, to, to yourself, your intuition, kind of like, wait a minute, like, okay, that's over here. But, 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 oh, I'm super stressed, or I don't have, I don't have great sleep, or my poop is like a disaster. I, it's maybe I'm constipated. You know, there's no one comes to me with just like, infertility and like just the diagnosis there are other health issues going on like really listen to your body it'll whisper to you when you ignore the signals it'll start yelling at you in the form of disease like there's stuff going on listen Hmm. wow that's so great anything else that you want to add that we didn't touch on maybe that you were you know you really wanted to share no i think i think that's it it's really to 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 listen to your body and trust your intuition and you know the body wants to heal it wants to come back to homeostasis it wants to get better and really um we have the tools to do that it's very empowering we don't need to sit by and wait cycle after cycle and pump ourselves full of medication as a first step 
you know, it's, and people say, oh, like I, I did a post about saying, you know, why is IVF a first step? And people got really freaking mad. They're like, it's, this is not my first step. But I'm like, if you haven't looked at the functional side of things like that, you've missed, you've missed all sorts of healing opportunities. Things have been missed and, and you either get pregnant naturally, or when you go over there, you're going to improve your success chances. Cause in 1985, there was 40, there was 40 um, fertility clinics in the U.S. and in 2015, there's 440. So this is big effing business, Whoa. and a lot of people are making a lot of money. And Whoa. there's a lot, a lot of heartbreak that I see and that people experience by just doing that, you know, ART, mm-hmm. artificial. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then any other resources, individuals, websites, books that you find are really, really great resources for people just to continue their own education in this. Yeah. So I'm, I've mentioned a few times I'm obsessed with Dr. With Dr. Ben Lynch. He just has like awesome stuff. He's doing a bunch of videos right now about, about the, about the coronavirus. So, okay. and his, his book, uh, Dirty Genes, which is an amazing book of talking about, there's like seven main genes he talks about. And a lot of it is making those diet lifestyle changes that you can, you can do. I also love, um, Dr. Uh, Kelly Brogan, who's that's oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the mental health side of things. She is a freaking, I've tried and tried to get her on the podcast. I haven't been able to do it, but um, <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep trying. She is a um, women's holistic psychiatrist who was in New York city for years and was prescribing and then started taking a functional approach and really helping, helping, um, helping women um, recover from all sorts of mental health issues, not by prescribing, which Mm-hmm. which is amazing diet and lifestyle and other, other therapies. She has a, um, two books. So uh, own yourself and a mind of your own sitting right here. So those are two mm-hmm. people I love. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I will link everything you mentioned. Awesome. And of course your website, your podcast, which I'm super excited to dive into just myself, but thank you so, so much for giving me your time, giving all of, my listeners your time i really think that they are going to find this crazy expansive and informative awesome thanks so much for having me i appreciate it wow well i hope you all loved that interview as much as i did and i'm going to change it up a little bit this week because i'm really wanting to stimulate more engagement conversation with anyone who is listening to this i'm truly so interested to hear your thoughts so DM me on Instagram, message me on Facebook, on my website through the contact form there with whatever stood out to you most in this specific interview and how you're thinking of applying it to your life or whom you shared it with. Really, truly, just whatever your thoughts were about this. I'm so eager to hear them and just see how it's making a difference in your life. So I will always link all of my social media in the show notes so you can easily find that. And I'm just, you know, sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to hear from you guys. With that, everyone have an amazing weekend. I will tune back in with you all next week. Bye.